The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. We are continuing our series and we'll be in this book for the better part of the next year or so. We started this uh, series about a month ago. If you've missed any of it, I want to highly encourage you to go to our website, uh, our podcast. You can hear any of the past messages. Um, we are building a, a concept upon concept, looking into an intimate picture of who Jesus is. Uh, John, the author of the book that we are reading today, um, knew Jesus intimately and was one of arguably the closest human beings uh, that any human being could be to Jesus. Uh, John is often called the beloved disciple. And we are seeing a snapshot uh, from through his eyes, who he wants us to see and believe about Jesus. On week one, we started at the back in John chapter 20, verse uh, 30 and 31, I think, or 20 and 21, where, where John said, the reason I've written everything in this book is so that you would believe. So that you would believe, not just in belief, not just in and good things, not just in hope and peace and love and charity, but that you would believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that Jesus loves each and every one of you and that in Jesus there is love, there is light, there is liberty, there is freedom. And today I want us to see that Jesus is not only the Word, the Word the word for word in Greek is logos, which is the summary of all things. God is everything. He is omniscient, all-powerful, uh, omnipresent, uh, uh, omnipotent. God is everything. And in everything that God is, it was encapsulated in this word, logos. And logos, the logos, according to John chapter 1, verse 14, the logos became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. And the Logos has a name, and his name is Jesus. So Jesus is the Logos, we learned in week one. We learned that he is life. He created all life. Anything that exists was made by him. In him we can find physical life, because he is the author of life. But more importantly, in him is spiritual life. And and the beginning of eternity is found in him. He is the Logos, he is the life. He is the light. There is no darkness that his light does not pierce. The darkness of our fallen sin nature, the sins that we struggle with, that we are tempted by, his light pierces the darkness of our sin. The the darkness of our fallen world system that seeks uh, my will, let my will be done and not his will be done. The, the, The systems of our broken governments, the systems of us trying to make things work without a God, when God is the creator of the world, his light pierces those darknesses. And even our our doubts and our failing faith at times, God's light pierces the darkness there as well. Today, we're going to see a new title for Jesus, spoken of by his own cousin, John the Baptist. We introduced you to John the Baptist last week. And today we see the next day, According to John chapter 1, verse 29, let me read these words for you and then we'll dive in. The next day, John, Jesus, I mean, he, meaning John, saw Jesus. The next day, he saw Jesus coming towards him. And he said, behold, 
Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, and he said, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his followers, his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and then they followed Jesus. Father God, I pray that you open up our hearts and minds to understand the deep riches of you, the truth of your word. Help us to see and understand why you came, why you became a lamb, why you became flesh, and help us to be transformed by that knowledge. In your name we pray, amen. We have a God who is not distant and removed. We have a God who came and became flesh. Why did God, the God of the universe, the Almighty who created everything, become one of us? We're going to answer that question today by looking at what John just said to those who were listening. As Jesus came, Even though John twice felt like repeating himself and said, I didn't know him, John knew him. John knew Jesus as his cousin. John was six months older than his cousin Jesus. They grew up playing Israelites and Egyptians together and all kinds of things and holidays and celebrations. But John the Baptist did not know that Jesus, his cousin, was the Messiah. And so when John says, I didn't know him, that's what he means. He didn't know that his very cousin would come to change the world. There were others who didn't know that Jesus was this Messiah, the Savior. Jesus' very own brother by the name of James, who wrote the book James in the Bible, his brother, Jesus' brother James, didn't even put his own faith in his brother until after his brother died on the cross and rose again. And so there were people who grew up with Jesus, not necessarily knowing that Jesus was Jesus, the Messiah, Christ. But John has written everything that we are reading, everything that we're going to be studying, so that we would not just know Jesus as a good teacher, as a prophet, as a a good man who came and loved on people and healed and made the blind see and, and, and performed some really cool miracles, but that Jesus was God in flesh. Emmanuel, God with us that God became a lamb. A lamb. To the listeners in that day, John the Baptist said, he could have said, behold the Messiah. He could have said, behold the Son of God. But he chose his words very carefully because the meaning behind the lamb was significant. For all of history, the Jewish people for ages had looked to lambs for one particular reason. Well, maybe two. A a nice meal, lamb chops, anybody like lamb? 
I've had it once or twice, and I must have had that in it because it was gross. But I hear a lot of people like it. But one of the most significant things about lambs in Jewish culture was their sacrifice. According to the book of Leviticus, the people were were told to to bring a pure and spotless lamb uh, regularly for sacrifice to take the place of one's sin. And we'll look into that picture a little bit more in a few minutes. But John is wanting us to see that there's only one person who could truly be the Lamb of God. It couldn't be himself, although John the, the Baptist was anointed and even filled with the Spirit from his time in his mother's womb. He was given a destiny and a purpose to point people to Jesus. But John, like you, like me, we all are born with sin in our life. And so it's important to know that there is, although a good man might die for the sake of some, and last week we remembered uh, on Memorial Day many people giving up their life for the sake of freedom and love for others. No human being could die to remove another human being's sin. And so we have a dilemma. For ages and eons and thousands of years, people would bring sacrificial lambs to be slaughtered. And yet, there was still a struggle with sin. John is wanting to clearly paint a picture that there is only one person who is qualified, who can meet all of God's requirements of holy perfection, and that was he himself. God becoming one of us so he could die for us, to become our sacrificial lamb. John says in verse 29 and then 35 and 36, he repeats it, Behold the Lamb of God. John's whole purpose was, uh, he had many followers. He's talking to his followers even as he says it. Behold the Lamb of God. Turn, stop looking at me and look at the Lamb. It is he. And, and, And his point gets across because we see some of the disciples turn from John and begin to follow Jesus. And that is our hope as a church. That's my hope as one of the pastors here is that we would do great things for our community, that we would meet hunger needs and clothing needs and school supply needs, but all for one purpose, to point people to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let our light shine so that those in this world will see our good deeds and not glorify and praise us but instead glorify our God and come to know him as our Savior in heaven. Behold the Lamb of God, John proclaimed over and over again, the Lamb of God, the God who came and became flesh and came to take away the sins of the world. One of the really cool things that we have about John, uh, this close friend of Jesus, is not only did he write the Gospel of John, But he wrote four other books that we have in our Bibles today. He wrote three other letters. We call them 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And he also wrote the book of Revelation. John gives us some beautiful pictures when when you go through all of his writings as he points back to Jesus. And he says of this in 1 John, uh, says of this of Jesus in his letter called 1 John 3, verse 5. 
It says, you know that Jesus appeared for one reason, to take away sins. Again, there are many religions in this world that look at Jesus as a great example. The Muslims look at him as a great prophet. Even many Jewish uh, people who are devoted to uh, the, the prophets teaching the Old Testament, they see Jesus as a great rab- rabbi. But Jesus didn't come to just be a good example, another great teacher, a good role model. He appeared to take away the sins of the world. It says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, You know that he, Jesus, appeared to take away sins, and in him there was no sin. How is this possible? How many of you have sin in your life? Just take a survey real quick. A couple of you don't. That's great. That's that's really... For most of us, we are born with sin. I, I say this often. Nobody had to teach Gary and I, my brother, the other pastor um, that was up here a minute ago. Nobody had to teach us how to be greedy. Nobody had to teach us how to fight with one another. It just came to second nature, first nature. Born with a sin nature, each and every one of us. Now, some of you are a little better sinners than others. I don't know. I don't know what I meant by that, but... But all of us have sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God is holy. The book of 1 John, written the letter, John says, In him God is light, and in him there is no darkness. And so how can we claim to be in God if we have sin? 1 John tells us that we are sinners, and if we claim to not have sin then we lie and the truth is not in us. And so where can we find hope? Hope is found only in Jesus Christ. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus came to take away our sin. He is the only one that could be the Lamb of God. He is the only one qualified, the only one holy enough because he became sin who had no sin. Jesus, the book of Hebrews tells us, was tempted in every way we have ever been tempted, and yet never sinned. The book of Leviticus chapter 4 tells us that when they were to choose a lamb, by the way, in the first hour we did some research together. Anybody here from the first hour here for a second service? In the first hour, we did some research, and we found out, I did not know this, a lamb is a sheep until they are one year old, and then they are a sheep. Are you all going like, yeah, duh, we all do that. I did not know that, okay? I know that now. So they had to bring a lamb before they were a year old, and it had to be a lamb without defect. It couldn't be like, well, we're not going to get any money for this one, so offer up this one. No, they had to give, like, one of their prized choice lambs. And we found out that the plural for lamb is lambs. Found that out as well. So when when the instructions were given in the book of Leviticus chapter 4, this is what's instructed. If one is to bring a lamb as his offering for a sin offering, he shall bring a female lamb without blemish. And the priest will lay his hand on the head of the sin offering 
and you will kill it for a sin offering. And the place where they kill the burnt offering, they are to uh, take some of the blood of the offering. And with his finger, he is to put on the horns of the altar of the burnt offering and pour out all of the rest of its blood at the base of the altar. And the priest shall make atonement for him for the sin for which he has committed, and he shall be forgiven. So I would come knowing I have sinned. I would confess my sins to the priest. The priest would take my sin offering. They would slaughter the lamb. The word slaughter is used in the Bible by John and only John. That he would be a lamb that was slain. Slain is more of a softer word to it, but the literal word is uh, slaizo, which is slaughter. And Jesus came to be slaughtered in our place. Now, looking at the Old Testament, we saw that they would come year after year, sin after sin, sacrifice after sacrifice, never truly having their sins paid for. Sure, they would be forgiven, but what was going on in the Old Testament? Jesus had a way of telling stories called parables, pointing to a deeper meaning, to a a more truer truth, if that's even a phrase. And and lambs, as an example in the Old Testament, were simply they were a parable pointing one day to a future lamb that would come and ultimately be the final sacrifice for the sins of all mankind, for the sins of the world. And here we see in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 that the blood of cows and bulls and goats cannot remove sins. So what was going on? We were being told that we are sinners. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And Jesus came once and for all to be that final sacrifice, to be the lion and the Lamb. To be the King of kings and the one who would lay down his life for us in our place. Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, another disciple, said this, you were ransomed from your futile ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like silver and gold, There is no amount of money that can buy our way into heaven. There's no amount of payment that you and I as individuals can offer up to God to somehow appease him and make him willing to accept us into his family. Peter goes on to say, you weren't purchased with those perishable things, but instead with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. That's from 1 Peter chapter 1, 18 through 20, if you want to write in your scripture journals. We have all sinned. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 tells us, Just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. So through one man, sin came but forgiveness, salvation, and righteousness came through another man. A man who became the Lamb. The man, Jesus Christ, God in flesh, came to die for us. 
So today, we want you to see that Jesus is the one and only and true God who lowered himself and stepped down into our world, our mess, to bring salvation. I love stories of kings or princesses or princesses going incognito and sneaking in among the miracles. Am I talking about mermaids? What am I trying to say? Is that a phrase? The commoners, okay? How many of you seen Aladdin, the remake? That scene where Jasmine is, you know, out among the commoners. Nobody knows it's the princess. I love that, that Jesus himself would, would become a servant. He would step down being born in a lowly manger. Not even to a family who could afford better beginnings. The son of a carpenter grew up fishing and doing regular people things. Our king became one of them to reach us. And he was born without sin. How how is this possible? If everybody in this room was born with sin, how is it possible that Jesus would be born and not have sin? Theologians tell us that in Adam, all sinned, Adam and Eve in the garden, if you know the story, um, they, they, they broke God's law, they ate what they weren't supposed to eat, and all of mankind, all of the universe, all of human history was cursed and sin entered. And from that point on, you and I, born of man, inherit that sin. It's, it's in our DNA. And yet, somehow, God, bypassed that curse. How is that possible? Because Jesus was not born the son of a man. He was born the son of God. In Luke chapter 1 it says, Do not be afraid, an angel said to Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And so Mary said to the angel, Well, how can this be, since I'm still a virgin? And the angel answered her and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, and he will be called Holy. Son of God. Our God, our Christ, who is in this room right now with us, He is holy, and He was born holy, and He who never sinned took our sin upon Himself when He went to the cross in our place. And so there are two things that we have to learn from today's lesson. One, God became a man to die for us. He became a lamb because that's what lambs are be slaughtered in our place. And the second thing, the second reason he became flesh to become a lamb was to take away the sins of the world. There is nobody too far from the reach of God. There is no race, no nationality, nobody in this world that can outsin the the level of God's grace because God has grace upon grace upon grace. 
We were made for Jesus and by Jesus to share this truth with all who do not yet know Jesus. That he came to die for any who would receive him and put their belief in him. Even the false priest Caiaphas knew these words. And he prophesied this even though he did not know the truth behind what he was saying. In John chapter 11, verse 50 and 52, Caiaphas said this of Jesus. Caiaphas would be the same priest who would be responsible for seeing Jesus be crucified. Caiaphas said, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one all of the children of God who are scattered abroad. Jesus came to die and he came to unite all of us as children of God. In the book of Revelation, it says, by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and every nation. And this truth is made available to all who would believe and receive it. John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Jesus became our sacrifice. He became our propitiation, the Bible says. The sin that we had in our life, he took upon himself, paying our debt that we could never pay. And the clean slate is offered to any who would believe in this and receive it. And so today, as we close, I want you to hear the truth that we do not serve and believe in a distant and aloof God, We have a God who became one of us. A God who came not just to show us the right way to live, but a God who came to die for us. A God who became a man, who became our lamb, to take away our sin and the sins of all who would put their faith in him and trust and believe in him. I want to play an old song for you uh, that is illustrated by some beautiful pictures and please ignore the 80s and 90s cheesiness of it and listen to the heartbeat of the message. Walking on the road to Jerusalem Time had come to sacrifice My two small sons They walked beside me Down the road The reason that they came Was to watch the land And they said Daddy, Daddy Well, what will we see that we don't understand 
So I told them of Moses, Father Abraham. Then I said, teach him what plan. There will be so many in Jerusalem today. But we must be sure this little land doesn't run such agony. In that moment I felt such loss. Till a Roman soldier grabbed my arm and screamed, you carry his For his soul. And so I 
Turned and faced the cross, and I said, Dear children, watch the God, I pray right now for each and every person in this room that we would understand the depth of that truth, that you came to set us free. You came and took our place so that we could be made children of God and be used as your ambassadors, your sent ones, to take this truth to a world so desperately in need of knowing who you are. So right now, God, I pray for, first of all, those of us in the room who know you as Savior and Lord, that we would, that we would continually look at ourselves and ask, ask you to search us, to, 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 to weed out anything in us that keeps us from being the people that you've called us to be, and that we would become your most faithful ambassadors and servants, examples of Individuals reflecting your love and your light and your hope to those that you've placed in the world around us. And that like John, that we would give testimonies and, 
and stories pointing people to you as the way, the truth, and the life. And God, I also pray right now for those in this room who may not truly know you as Savior and Lord, maybe have never accepted you as as their lamb, as their their sacrifice. And I pray for them right now that, that they could know that their sins are easily forgiven, and yet it cost you everything. And you laid down your life, you who never sinned, to become sin in our place. And then anyone who would receive that and believe it would become a child of God and made new. So if you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor John, that's a prayer I need to pray. And I just prayed that with you. I I know that I need Jesus in my life. I need him as my lamb. I need him to forgive me. And today I give my heart to Jesus knowing that I need him to take my place on that cross. And I ask him to come into my life and to help me to live for him. If you've prayed that prayer today, I'd love to celebrate that with you. Would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor John, I prayed to receive Jesus as my Savior, as my Lamb. I see that hand. Are there any others? Any others? Father God, we thank you so much for your love, your sacrifice, taking our place. Now come and show us how to live for you in the place where you have planted us here in Prince William. In your name we pray.